Family, friends, brothers and sisters in Christ, we welcome you this afternoon to a funeral service for our sister Eva Walker. My name is Timothy Raymond. I'm the pastor here at Trinity Baptist Church, and it was my privilege to be Eva's pastor for the last several years. As I think we all know, Eva died on March 1st, 2023 at Westminster Village. She was 89 years old. But the Lord said of Abraham in Genesis 25:8 could be said of Eva. Abraham breathed his last and died in a good old age, an old man and full of years, and was gathered to his people. So we've gathered together this afternoon to remember, to grieve, to honor, and most of all, to give thanks to God for a wonderful woman of God who was our grandmother, great-grandmother, sister in Christ, fellow church member, and friend. Now would you pray with me? Almighty God, it has pleased you to call our sister Eva Walker to yourself, and we've come together this afternoon to praise you for all of the gifts that you gave us through her. We praise you for the way that you blessed her with life and health and all things. We praise you for the way that you provided for her all her long life. We thank you for the talents that you gave her, the gifts that you gave her, and especially for her artistic abilities. We thank you for providing her with a husband, Meredith, and for the blessing of daughters and grandchildren. Most of all, we thank you for saving Eva through Jesus' death and resurrection and for giving her the sure and certain hope of heaven. Our merciful Father, we thank you so much for your Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. We thank you for the way that he is the resurrection and the life, and for the way that whoever believes in him, though he die, yet shall he live. We praise you for the way that those who die in the Lord dwell securely with you forever. And we praise you for the way that it has pleased you to free our sister Eva from the trials and miseries of this life and to bring her into a world of unimaginable happiness. Now, our God, we ask for your help. Comfort us by your Holy Spirit. Comfort us and help us to grieve, but not to grieve as those who have no hope. Help us to believe that if our hope is in the Lord Jesus, we will rest eternally in him, just like our sister Eva rests in him today. Now, our Father, we do pray that during this time, the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts would be pleasing in your sight through Jesus Christ, our Lord. In his name we pray, amen. Good morning. Uh, my name is Bud Jones, and uh, I've just got a short read here. The last time Sharon, my wife, and I visited, prayed with and for Eva on Wednesday, March 1st. With Kathy present, Sharon leaned over, kissed Eva on her forehead, and said, I love you. At that point, Eva opened her eyes and mouthed those words back to Sharon. Then I prayed. And while praying, I teared up, all but lost my voice finishing with part of Matthew 25, 21, which uh, is part of the verse that I'll be reading this morning. Uh, I'm going to start reading with the sixth word because the first five are relative to the uh, master with the three, three uh, servants and the talents had, one had five, one had two, and one had one. So I want this to be applicable to uh, Eva. Well done good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a little. I will set you over much. Enter into the joy of your master. Amen. 
In Psalm 16, pardon me, 116, 15, God's word says, Precious in the sight of the Lord is the death of his saints. There have been people who have died that I knew better than I knew Eva. There have been people who have died that I knew longer than I knew Eva. There have been people who have died that I was emotionally closer to than I was to Eva. But I can say in the presence of God that I have never known anybody whose dying and death encouraged my faith more than Eva's. And I really believe that. I had the privilege of being Eva's pastor for the last several years and have many, many good memories of her. In all sincerity, she was one of the most loving, faithful, generous, supportive, encouraging church members I've ever had the privilege of pastoring. And while we rejoice today that she is in God's presence in heaven, we do miss our sister, don't we? In Romans 13, 7, the Lord commands us, pay honor to whom honor is due. And that's what I'd like to do now. Honor Eva for virtues I observed in her life. These are virtues that God's spirit produced in her. Obviously, if you knew Eva, she was characterized by many, many virtues, more than we're going to be talking about today. But as I reflected on her life, and especially on the last several months of her life, there were three virtues that came to mind, and these were her joy, her hope, and her faith. First, Eva's joy. Uh, Eva began attending our church maybe six, eight years ago, don't remember exactly, uh, but from the first time I met her, she struck me as an unusually happy person, continually smiling, continually cheerful, continually positive and optimistic. Uh, currently in our sermons on Sundays, we're preaching through 1 Thessalonians, and she really did seem to exemplify what we've been talking about from 1 Thessalonians 5.16, Rejoice Always. Now, of course, Eva, I'm sure, like we all do, had her tough days or blue days or dark days. I remember visiting her maybe three or four years ago. There was this very painful tragedy that had taken place in her extended family, and she admitted that she wept and wept for days, uh, which is to be expected. I mean, this is a tough world, and terrible things happen. And yet I also remember Eva telling me that after a few days of mourning, she said to the Lord, Lord, it's time to move on. And eventually she did move on and returned to her joyful self. Joy really seemed to be almost her default attitude. Eva's joy was even more remarkable if you know something about her life. Uh, what many of us did not know is that Eva was actually a foster child and was uh, raised by foster parents. Because of that, she told me that a Bible verse that was particularly precious to her was Psalm 27.10, which says, My father and my mother have forsaken me, but the Lord has taken me in. Additionally, think of all those that Eva loved and lost, especially in recent years. Her husband Meredith died of cancer years back, and there was the tragic loss of Ray and Carol. Don't imagine at all that Eva had this problem-free, pain-free life. And yet, nonetheless, if Eva was anything, she was a joyful person. She was enjoyable to be around, and being around her made you happy to be alive, which I can't say about everybody. And in this, she was simply incarnating Philippians 4, 4, which says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Another virtue that I thought of as I reflected on Eva's life was her hope. Her hope. She lived with the sure and certain hope of heaven. In the final few months of Eva's life, I visited her roughly once a week, and in our conversations, they'd often turn to heaven, and truth be told, she was the one guiding the conversation to heaven. She was really a believer in heaven, was excited to go there, and I don't know if I've actually met a person who was more eager to go to heaven, more excited to go to heaven. She was totally confident that that's where she'd go after she'd die. Eva knew that in heaven, she'd see her believing loved ones. She'd be reunited with her husband, Meredith, who she told me several times had made a profession of faith just before he died. She'd see friends and loved ones who died in Christ before her. Very importantly to her, she'd see her beloved Carol again, uh, who she loved so dearly. 
But do you want to know who she was most eager to see in heaven? And if you know Eva, you know who I'm talking about. It wasn't any of her loved ones. She was most excited to see Jesus in heaven, and she'd be the first to tell you this. She told me this several times. When I get to heaven, it will be great to see Ray and Carol and others. But most of all, I look forward to seeing Jesus and thanking him for dying for my sins. That was her great hope. I think Eva's hope was also expressed in her incredible life of prayer. If you knew anything about Eva, again, an incredible woman of prayer. Uh, essentially talking to the Lord always. I, I remember I'd go visit her, and we'd be talking, and she'd pause and talk to the Lord, and then pick back up in my kind of, you know, talking to me. It was just the way that she worked. I remember shortly after Eva started attending our church, she came into my office back there, and she said, I want you to know, Pastor, that I am a woman of prayer, and if you tell me absolutely anything, I will pray for it regularly. I asked her to pray that the Lord would save my children, and I believe she prayed for that virtually every single day until she died. When I visited her in the hospice, she literally would not let me go before we had prayed together. There was once, I mean, we typically prayed together automatically, but once I got up and, you know, made it kind of obvious that I was about to go, and she said, oh, you're not going without praying, Pastor. So that's what we did. Eva's hope could be summarized by 1 Peter 1, 8 and 9, which says, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him now, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. The final virtue for which I honor Eva today and for which I'll remember her is her faith in our Lord Jesus. Not only her joy, not only her hope, but clearly Eva knew and loved the Lord Jesus. And I believe that it was her faith in Jesus that was underlying these other virtues and gave rise to these other virtues. Like I said, I was Eva's pastor, and one of the things I have the privilege of doing as pastor is interviewing prospective church members and hearing their stories of how they came to faith in Christ. And Eva's testimony, like so much of her life, was quite remarkable. I remember her telling me how she was raised in church, but unfortunately this was not a church that preached the gospel. Uh, it's, what's the right word, disgusting, that there are many churches in our land that claim to be churches and yet don't teach the very basic truths of the gospel. But that was the church she was raised in, uh, married in such a church, but knew nothing about Jesus and the gospel. All of that changed one day, though, when a tractor trailer broke down outside of a little shop she was working in. And I'm going to let Adam tell the rest of the story when he gets up here, but it is a really remarkable story, and I think testifies to the power of personal evangelism, so pay attention to that part. But when that took place, the, the words of Romans 10:9 came true in her life. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord... And believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. I also think that Eva's faith was evident in the way that she embraced dying and death as the Lord's will for her life. As a pastor, I consider it part of my basic job description to help people die well. I try to prepare people for death, to stand before the Lord, and to die not gripped with fear and terror. Uh, meaning, I try to lead them to embrace the Lord Jesus as their Savior, or if they've already done that, to strengthen their faith so that they can die with confidence. Interestingly, I did not need to perform this ministry in Eva's life. Of course, we read the Bible together, prayed together, we talked about heaven, talked about Jesus together. But her confidence that she was ready to stand before God was the strongest that I've ever seen in my entire life. And I discovered something rather interesting. I began visiting Eva thinking I was going there to strengthen her faith. But after maybe three or four visits, something occurred to me. I realized, you know, I'm not probably doing a whole lot to strengthen her faith, but she's doing an awful lot to strengthen my faith. I discovered she was actually serving me more than I was serving her. And what I discovered is that you really can have a very profound ministry in people's lives by dying well 
Just by exemplifying strong faith, people realize there is a power to the gospel that the world does not know, that the world cannot know. So I honor our sister Eva today for her joy, for her hope, and for her faith in the Lord Jesus. In every conceivable way, Jesus was the great love of her life and the reason why she was the woman we love so much. I ask you, friend, is the Lord Jesus your hope in life and death? He certainly was for Eva, but is he your hope in life and in death? Have you put your confidence in him? The gospel that Eva loved so much tells us that you were made to know God, created in his image to have a relationship with him. And yet you have sinned, that is, you've rebelled against your creator. You've basically tried to live your own way regardless of how God designed it to be lived. You've become a rebel when God is a loving heavenly father who delights to care for us. Now, because God is a holy, righteous God, he will punish us for our rebellion. And that is a punishment after this life that's unspeakable, uh, too horrifying for words. And yet, in his amazing love, the eternal Son of God took on flesh. He was given the name Jesus. Jesus grew up and lived a perfect life of trust in obedience to his heavenly Father. But then Jesus died on the cross, and he died on the cross as a substitute for us, bearing in his body, in his soul, the judgment our sins deserve. He bore God's wrath on the cross for all of those who would ever turn from their sins and trust in him. Three days later, God the Father raised Jesus back from the dead to demonstrate that what I'm telling you right now is true. He ascended to heaven where he is now, and one day he's going to return. And he's calling us, every last one of us, whether we've attended church all of our lives or if maybe this is the first time you've ever set foot in a church building, to turn from our sins, stop running, trust in him fully and completely, and be saved. This is the gospel of Jesus that Eva trusted in, and it was faith in this gospel that produced the other virtues that we were talking about today. And today, Eva is in heaven only because of Jesus. Right now, as I'm looking at you, her her mortal remains might remain right before us, but her soul is with God in unspeakable happiness in heaven. And that's not because Eva was so joyful or so hopeful or because she prayed so much or because she was so kind, though, of course, she was all of those, but only because Jesus died and rose again and because Jesus was her only hope. And if Eva could speak to us today, I'm pretty confident I know what she'd say. I can almost hear her saying it in my head. She'd say, Jesus was my only hope in life and in death, but is he yours? Is he yours? Jesus was my hope, and I'm so glad he was. But is your faith, your confidence, your hope for this life and the life to come only in Jesus, the Son of God? Again, maybe like Eva, you were raised in church, went to church every single Sunday, but never for, the, for whatever reason knew that it was the Son of God who has come, who has died and risen again to give us life. Is Jesus your only hope in life and in death? If not, today would be an amazing day to trust in him for the first time. Stop running from God. Stop trying to live as if there is no God. Embrace Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Rely on what he has done on the cross, in the empty tomb, to be made right with God. Embrace his loving leadership. Trust Jesus as your only hope in life and in death today. And to close up my part here, I'd invite you, if you'd like to learn more about what I'm describing here, if you need clarification on something that I've said, I would like somebody to pray with you, pray for you, please talk to me after the service. I'll be in the foyer to greet people on the way out. But like Eva, trust in the Lord Jesus today and begin experiencing today Jesus as your only hope in life and in death. Let's pray together. Almighty God, we do rejoice that the souls of those who have died in Christ are with you in unspeakable happiness. We rejoice that that's the happiness that our sister Eva is experiencing right now. 
We thank you again for all of the gifts that you gave us through our sister Eva, for the privilege of knowing her, for the blessing that it was even to our faith of knowing her. And now, Heavenly Father, you who gave up your Son for suffering and death on the cross and who raised him again victorious, comfort our hearts with the comfort of the gospel. Through Jesus our Lord we pray. Amen. Hi, my name's Chris Holler. I sat behind Eva right over there. She got to know me, and one of the first questions, she said, what do you do for a living? I said, I'm a truck driver. And so we'll hear more about what truck drivers meant to Eva's life here in a little bit. <clears throat> Kim talked about her, her prayer for life. And she was asking me about people in the church, and I told her that we just had a baby that was born. I said, now we do have another family going to have a baby this week. She's due this week. Her immediate reaction was to raise her hands, grab ours, mine and my wife's, and to pray for that family. Then the last time I saw her, she said, my vacation's almost over. I said, your vacation? She said, I'm going home. That was Eva. How can I say thanks for the things you have done for me? Things so undeserved, yet you give to prove your love for me. The voices of a million angels could not express my gratitude. All that I am and ever hope to be, I owe it all to thee. To God be the glory, to God be the glory to God, be the glory for the things he has done with his blood. He has saved me with his power. He has raised me to God. Be the glory for the things he has done. Just let me live my life. Let it be pleasing, Lord, to thee. And should I gain any praise, let it go to Calvary, to God be the glory, to God be the glory, to God be the glory for the things he has done with his blood 
He has saved me with his power. He has raised me to God. Be the glory for the things he has done to God. Be the glory to God. Be the glory to God. Be the glory for the things he has done. Hello, I'm Kevin Walker. I'm the uh, oldest grandchild of Meredith Anita Mae Walker. And being the firstborn, uh, for reasons I don't know, when I was uh, first learning to talk, I named them Pappy and Mimi instead of grandfather and grandmother. And those names stuck. So I want to tell you uh, a little bit about my Mimi. She was one of the biggest supporters and spiritual influences of my life. There are many things that Mimi enjoyed. Um, first of these was painting. She loved to paint. Uh, she painted countless paintings on many different uh, um, types of objects and uh, different uh, pictures during her life. Um, she got the idea when I was in middle school that she was going to teach me and one of my cousins how to paint. After one lesson, it was pretty well mutually decided that that talent hadn't been passed on to me. She also liked to do crafts, whether that be needle crafts, flower arrangements, other uh, decorative knickknacks. She was partners in two stores in Kirkland during her life. Um, of craft stores, one with her friend Polly Stowers and another with my great aunt Barbara Walker. She liked to bake. She was well known for her yeast rolls, homemade noodles, and pies. She had some favorite TV shows she liked to watch. She liked Murder, She Wrote, Matlock, Cheers, Frasier, Wheel of Fortune, and especially Jeopardy. Mimi liked to play cards. Playing cards in our family was always an intense and cutthroat competition. And she got right in on that. She, uh, she played to win. One time when I was little, five, six, seven, somewhere in there, and just learning how to play, we were playing a game called Hearts. And if you know anything about Hearts, you don't want to get any points, you don't want to get any Hearts, and you definitely don't want the Queen of Spades. Well... We were, there were four of us playing. I think it was Mimi and Pappy, and I don't remember who the other person was. The first two had played. I was ready to play. I had a small card I could play that I knew wouldn't get anything, and I had a big card that was going to be risky. Thought about it for a second, and Mimi says, It's okay. I won't give you the queen. It's just fine. I will not give you the queen. I thought about it a second, put that big card down, 
Sure enough, queen of spades. I kind of looked at her and she chuckled and she says, that wasn't very nice of Mimi, was it? <laughs> she says, now you know not to trust Mimi playing cards and I won't let you win. I always remembered that. Mimi also liked to use her talents to benefit others. At one point, uh, she was uh, sewing wheelchair pockets together and giving those away for people with wheelchairs or walkers to be able to carry their things around. Um, later on in life, when she wasn't able to paint anymore, she started uh, making postcards by hand, um, hand drawing pictures with colored pencils and giving those away. She also did that with bookmarks. That was her way of, of giving to people that she knew. There were many things that Mimi loved. She loved spending time with family, whether that be her daughters, her sons and all, her grandkids, or her great-grandbabies. Mimi loved hugs. I can't remember if a single time in my life where I didn't see her and she said, I need a hug. She loved reading her Bible and studying His Word. As the pastor mentioned, she loved praying for others, and she would always ask, is there anything I can pray for you for? And most importantly, she loved Jesus. She loved sharing his word and witnessing for him. When I would talk to her, she would frequently tell me about encounters she would have on the street, in the store, in the nursing home, of people that she had witnessed to. She knew, to, knew that to be her calling, and she did it until her final days. I had to chuckle to myself this morning. Um, Adam sent me a text of the uh, list of uh, events for today. And I'd had, for the last 10 days or so, the words, well done, my good and faithful servant, rolling around in my head. I didn't know why. I just didn't know how to um, put that into what I was going to say. But then when I saw that Matthew 25, 21 was going to be read the second thing, I thought. Someone else knows that that was a very fitting and appropriate way to honor my grandmother. In closing, I want to thank Adam and Kara for being Mimi's primary caretakers these last few months and providing her with excellent care. I know she really appreciated it, and my family and I do as well. I want to thank all the nurses and caregivers she has had, <clears throat> and all those of you who would call her and visit her. Mimi always said, the day she died, we should not be sad, but it should be a celebration because she went home to be with Jesus. I called Polly Stowers, it was one of her best friends, and she had one of the craft stores with, tell her that. Mimi had passed away. And Polly said that she would mourn Mimi because of losing her friend. But she would not mourn for her because she knew that Mimi was where she had longed to be, at home with Jesus. Let us all celebrate that. Thank you all for coming and celebrating the life of my Mimi.
a life of a good and faithful servant of God. You are not hidden There's never been a moment You were forgotten You are not hopeless Though you have been broken Your innocence stolen I hear you whisper
Hi, my name's Adam Munger. I'm uh, Eva's grandson. Um, and that's such a, a beautiful song uh, to me, but I must admit that it's, it's a little hard for me to listen to because I played it at my parents' funeral uh, just over a year ago. Um, but I wanted to play it now because uh, Mimi gave me the same blessing that my parents gave me. She showed me what strength through adversity looks like in practice, not just in words. She showed me what true faith looks like in practice, not just in words. She showed me that if you love Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, nothing can happen to you in this life that is able to rob you of true joy. I'm going to give you a little bit uh, more of Mimi's background for two reasons. One, she didn't share it with many people because some parts of her past uh, brought her a great deal of pain. Uh, two, uh, it's the backdrop that I feel is necessary to see the beauty of God's providence in her life and how she was never alone, never forgotten, and how he had planned to rescue her from the beginning. Mimi did not have an easy life. <clears throat> or some perspective, uh, she once told me about the Christmas when she was five years old and how she so vividly remembered sobbing in her room, holding the only Christmas present she received that year, a new toothbrush, and it came from her neighbor. She had an alcoholic father, and her mother kicked her out of their home at the early age of 14. She had every reason to be angry and bitter in life. That's not who Mimi was. A family in town took her in for a year until she moved in more permanently with her foster parents, Everett and Pearl Frazier. Based on my conversations with her, I think it was her foster dad, Everett Frazier, that made the biggest impact on her life as a teenager struggling to make sense of a harsh world. I never met him, but Mimi would remember him fondly to me, often telling me what a kind and gentle man he was. He was able to model something for her that had not been present in her life to that point. Everett and Pearl also introduced her to church under the order, as she put it, if you're going to live in our house with us, you're going to go to church with us. Mimi also learned something about entrepreneurship from the Frasers who owned a local convenience store. They had a billiard table in the back of the store and men from town would come in to buy sandwiches, ice cream, and play pool. Mamie told me several stories about serving these men, and I'm convinced that it's those pool players that are the ones that taught her that it's okay to smile and find moments of levity in a life, no matter what situation you're in. I believe they helped her develop her spunky attitude and sense of humor, and if you knew Mamie well, you knew her spunky attitude and sense of humor. I often pull parallels from the biblical story of Joseph to Mamie's life as it would be through a course of difficulties and trials and then unexpected graces that would eventually bring Mimi to a saving faith in Jesus. God ordained all of the events in Mimi's life, and he used the disciplines she learned from the Frasers regarding consistency in church and entrepreneurship to bring her to faith in a most miraculous way. Mimi and Pappy continued the tradition of going to church every Sunday once they were married. However, later in life, Mimi reflected to me on the fact that this weekly activity was just that, a tradition, not an act of obedience and love for a personal savior. 
She told me about a time when my mom was very young, about six years old, and their pastor invited uh, people up to come to the front of the church uh, to pray and, and commit their lives to Jesus. My mom ran up right away while Mimi and Pappy stayed in their seats. She said my mom was mad at them for weeks, asking them why they didn't love Jesus enough to go up to the front of the church and pray. At the time, Mimi told me she thought it was just silly exuberance of a child, and she played it down. But she later told me, I know that God just reached your mom before he reached me. But he used her uh, faith early in life to make me think harder about what it really meant for mine. Seeing Everett and Pearl run a business must have sparked some form of entrepreneurship in Mimi. As, as Kevin said, over the years, uh, she was a part of, of a couple of different um, shops. And while my knowledge neither business was financially successful, God used them as the venue to bring Mimi to a saving faith. As she was wrestling with whether God was real and wondering if her daughter really had something that she didn't. One day while she was working in her craft store, a semi pulled up right in front of her shop. The truck driver got out and came into her store, not her usual customer in the art and crafts world. The truck driver approached Mimi and said, my truck just broke down in front of your store. I need somewhere to stay for an hour or so and I tried to go to the library, but there's a sign on it that says the library is closed on Thursdays. The only thing open is the tavern and I'd rather not spend my afternoon there. Mimi asked him, why he didn't want to go to the tavern, and he said, well, I'm a Christian, and I think I'd rather stay here if that's okay with you. He then asked her if she had a Bible in her store that he could read while he waited. When she said no, he proceeded to ask Mimi if she knew Jesus personally as her Savior and went on to witness to her for a couple of hours until someone came to fix his truck. Exactly one week later, a semi pulled up the exact same spot right in front of her shop. She thought it was the same driver coming back to say hello, but when the man got out of the truck, she realized it was not the driver from the week before. He came out of his truck and came into the store. He approached Mimi and said, my truck just broke down in front of your shop. I need somewhere to stay for an hour or so. I tried to go to the library, but there's a sign on it that says the library is closed on Thursdays. The only thing open is the tavern, and I'd rather spend my afternoon here. Mimi asked him, this time with a bit of caution and disbelief, why he didn't want to go to the tavern. He said, well, I'm a Christian, and I think it'd be better if I stayed here with you. He then asked her if she had a Bible that he could read while he waited for his truck to get fixed. And when she told him no, he proceeded to ask Mimi if she knew Jesus as her personal Lord and Savior. And he went on to witness to her for a couple of hours in the same manner the driver the previous week until someone came to fix his truck. Mimi said that when that second truck driver left her store, she ran out into the middle of the street and yelled at the top of her lungs, Jesus, now I know you're real. Please save me. I want to live my life for you. And boy, did she live her life for Jesus from that point forward. I'm not sure anyone could have a conversation uh, with her, uh, with, without her asking them if they knew Jesus, just as the two truck, truck drivers had asked her. She would always say, God's plans for you can't be stopped. He broke two semis down, one week apart from each other, right in front of my store, both times on a Thursday when the library was closed. If God wants you, he's going to find you. 
She became fearless in her faith because she knew God was real and there was nothing to be afraid of. Every, spec, every aspect of her life became her mission field. She began keeping a Bible in her shop and would read it when times were slow. One day, she told me about a local artist that came in to buy paint. He saw her Bible and asked her if she really believed in that stuff. She said yes and asked him if he'd ever read it for himself. He said no, so she gave him her Bible as she checked him out. One week later, she recalled the story that he burst into her store with a Bible in his hand and said, I'm really mad at you, really mad at you. And she said, why are you so angry? He said, because I sell art for a living, and I can't sell any art if all I do is lay on the floor and read this book you gave me. He said he couldn't stop reading it, and so she sat down with him, the same table she sat with the truck drivers, but this time she witnessed to, the, to him. And he gave his life to Jesus, and they became lifelong friends. You know, a friend of my dad's told me that he was sure that God had just lost his best salesman when my dad died. But I have to say, I've never seen anyone more boldly proclaim the truth of the gospel and the Jesus that she loved than Mimi. I was blessed to see the strength both of my parents had in Jesus when they were at their weakest physically, and death was closing in. I was blessed to see Mimi show that same resolve as her faith in Jesus seemed to grow stronger and stronger as her earthly body grew weaker and weaker. She told me that she was going to hang on to this life as long as she could, which didn't sound like her, and I asked her why. She said she wanted, she wanted to delay another funeral for my kids since they had lost both of my parents just a year before, and they had lost Kara's mom several months before that, before she made that comment. She was bedridden and in constant pain, still thinking how to help other people. She understood more than anyone I've ever met that if you give yourself to Jesus, then the pain we experience in this life is as close to hell as we will ever come. In every change in life, she always looked for God's plan in her circumstances. If you had a chance to meet her while she was in hospice, you were blessed by a woman who couldn't walk, couldn't stand, couldn't sit up, and knew that death was close at hand, but gave you the biggest, most welcoming smile you've ever seen the second you walked in the door. If you want to know or remember what that smile looks like, there's a picture in the collage up here um, where she's opening a gift from her son-in-law, Ralph Walker, who's in front. I believe it was a pair of 6XL boxer shorts that he gave her one Christmas, and boy, did that make her laugh. It's a smile that I will always remember. She was warm and kind to everyone that she met because she knew that that was a part of her witness and her mission. She confided in me once that sometimes she wondered why God took my parents and not her why she was still here when she couldn't do anything for herself, let alone other people. But she was always quick to correct herself when those thoughts would naturally come. She would immediately follow them with, 
with saying, I know that God has a plan for me, and I know his ways are better than mine. There must be someone in this nursing home that he wants me to reach, and so I'm going to keep fighting as long as he keeps me here and as long as it takes to accomplish his goals, not mine. What was her goal? Well, we've alluded to it here today. She often told me there were three things that occupied her heart, three very special hugs. She told me she couldn't wait to hug Jesus, and she knew that my parents would be standing behind him, waiting for theirs. As Kevin said, I'm going to miss Mimi's hugs. If you were ever the benefactor of one, you know she probably still has mom, dad, and Jesus in a bear hug right now. There was a fourth thing that occupied her heart in her final days, something she told me that she could not do from heaven, and she asked me to help with, and I think everyone here today has done a good job of that. For her last wish was for us to use this memorial service as her last opportunity this side of eternity to share the gospel and witness to anyone who might not know Jesus today. She wanted me to tell you that she knows from experience there's a difference between living, quote-unquote, good life and living a life for Jesus. She had done both, and she knew that she could only rest in Jesus for her salvation. She wanted me to tell you about the greatest news that you could ever hear, that Jesus lived a perfect life that none of us could, that he died for our sins so that we don't have to face condemnation, that simply by believing in him for our salvation, we can live with him forever in glory. And if you do that, and you can do it right now, I know that Mimi will be waiting behind Jesus to give you a hug when he calls you home. So when asking me to help make her funeral about Jesus and not about her, Mimi reminded me of a story. She told me about a time when I was five years old and I directly disobeyed. When she caught me disobeying, she gave me two options. She said, you can either sit in that chair and have a time out, or I can tell your mom what, I, what you did. And she, uh, she told me that I responded by saying, I'll take the chair, and I'll take the time out, but I know you're going to tell mom anyways. <laughs> well, this time she didn't give me any options. She said she'd be watching, and if I disobeyed her, her order to make this service about Jesus, that she would have a chair waiting for me in heaven. <laughs> so I hope I've upheld my promise to her today because I certainly don't want to be the first person to reach heaven and instead of give, getting a hug, be put in an immediate timeout. A thought that crossed my mind uh, during one of the last times I visited Eva, uh, you often hear skeptics say things like, you know, if I only saw a miracle, then I'd believe in God, or then I'd believe in the gospel. If I only saw a miracle, um, well, we got to see a miracle in Eva's life, and especially in her dying, um, in a way that speaks far more powerfully than causing a table to float or something like that. To see somebody embrace dying uh, without being gripped with fear, without being terrorized, but with trust and confidence, I mean, that is something only the gospel can do. And those of us who got to visit her got to see that miracle in action, so praise God for that. This concludes our funeral service for our sister Eva.
Uh, in a moment, the funeral director is going to come up and he's going to give you some instructions uh, for parting. Uh, but before they do, let me leave you with this benediction. And may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all. Amen.